0: different from reality. And as you're thinking of that, uh, before you come up with whatever image in your head, let me let me add one more wrinkle. Have you ever had a time where your expectations weren't high enough, where what, what really happened or what really turned out uh, ended up being so much better than you had thought it would be? Right? So I'm not Signs that point to this supposedly wondrous place called Waldrug. The most disappointing hamburger I've ever had. Sorry, I know some of you really like Waldrug. And good for you. I don't know what you find, but clearly you find something I didn't. No, I'm talking about something even better. Uh, in fact, something at the end of that trip. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I, I mentioned... Uh, a family trip years ago that we had taken to the black hills of south dakota and i learned another lesson from that Uh, see what we had really wanted to do that year was not end up in south dakota at all Uh, we had these grand visions of you know like yellowstone national park and glacier and you know all this sort of stuff but just the way things panned out that year you know So, you know, we, we get out the, the, I can't remember if it was the Atlas or if we were finally into the modern age and we opened Google Earth, but one way or the other, we're looking around and it's like, wow oh, there's some stuff in South Dakota, maybe? You know, we, we can kind of try that. Um, so it made for a, you know, a very distant second place. Grew up in Ames, so I know flat. I mean, there's just nothing there, A- and of course the drive over to the Black Hills only confirms that, doesn't it? I mean, it's not the most um, exciting scenic drive in the United States. And yet, for every one of you who's ever been to the Badlands of the Black Hills, you know that my expectations couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, my first indicator came when we we arrived and. You This kind of the very first parking lot, which is an overlook. And so we parked, and I could kind of tell there was something out there on the horizon, but we weren't sure. And as we're hiking up to this overlook, suddenly, some of you have seen this. It, it's it just opens up down below you. All of these you know these these canyons and and the the, the sandstone gullies. Of course, nevertheless, eventually we we end up in the Black Hills themselves. My expectations are shattered. It is everything that I had hoped and more, you know, pine forests and rugged hills, and uh, we didn't get to be in a snowstorm there yet. We'll work on that. But it was great. And here's the point. This is what the Uh attitudes are our, our low expectations of the world around us. Uh, this is something my, my children are learning with every commercial that comes on these days, where they're like, yeah, dad, it doesn't really work like that. Batteries aren't included. It's not really that cool. You know. Um, their comments on political ads are interesting too, right? Uh, but really, aren't we just this way as a culture? We're 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 so sad. With, with marketing and media and that we kind of have this shell where we think nothing can ever be really that good. Nothing really ever truly lives up to the hype. I didn't in one sense, I realize that's kind of a survival skill here in 2024 living in the West. But what if life, things are not only as as good as we might imagine, but actually better? What if what Jesus calls us to is not a life of of drudgery, not one that's boring, not just going through a bunch of religious motions in hopes of pleasing the Lord, but if instead what Jesus calls us to is radically different? That's what we're after. You know, growing up, one of my growing up in a Christian family and go to church and, and just somehow in my mind I had this idea of heaven and everyone's talking about how great it'll be and and in my mind I'm like it's a church service that never ends I mean really? like uh, okay and I knew I was supposed to like that somehow physicians and overseers, and uh, this is good, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it was, but heaven is even infinitely better than what we're doing here. This is just the appetizer, really, this is the, the snack before the main event, and ultimately that is the picture that we're gaining in this second half of Hebrews chapter 12. So if you're not there yet, I would encourage you either either turn there, or if you need a Bible, there's probably one in the pew right in front of you. You can find Hebrews in the table of contents. Uh, navigate to chapter 12. Those are the, the big numbers if you're not familiar with the Bible. We're going to pick up about the middle, verse 18. That's the little number, 18. With all expectations, you have to start somewhere. Uh, the idea that you and I might have is a bit like my initial idea of the Black Hills, right? It's it's not so hilly, not so enjoyable. At least that's what I assumed. Maybe you think the same way about what Christ has won for his people. I mean, I know we don't normally say that, but maybe there's a lingering part of your mind that was like me where you think supposed to be really good, but I, I'm just not sure how. That's what we see here at the start. The words and imagery here are coming out of Exodus. Uh, the scene is when Moses and the people arrived at Mount Sinai, and the presence of the Lord descended upon the mountain, and there God gave very specific instructions, ones that the, the people were not to approach. They definitely were to approach. not even the livestock could come near. Otherwise, death would be the result. And there was a point behind all of this, and that point is that God's holiness was so great, so grand, that sinful people could not be in his presence and live. What followed then in Exodus was the giving of the law, starting with what we call the, the Ten Commandments. The whole picture is this, it's this serious, sobering occasion. Um, in many ways, this was the beginning of Israel as a nation. This was their, you might almost call it their constitution that was being given. And it's given by God Himself. Right? No wonder this scene is it's 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 fearful even. It's certainly not one um, that you would normally associate with, with joyful anticipation. changes everything. It tells us that we, God's people, Christians, we have not been called to this. What does the author mean by that? It means that your lot in life is not to fear, not to live in fear of the judgment that you deserve. Uh, It means that if you as your savior, So if you have called upon him to rescue you from your sins, that, that he is the, the, the son of God, fully God and fully man, who has died on the cross in your place, taking what you deserve. If you trust that Jesus, if you are numbered among his people, then your destiny is not to remain at the foot of the mountain far from God. No, instead what Christ offers is radically different. And as the author of Hebrews has been showing us over these past few chapters, it is entirely better because Christ has brought us near. Friends, if you are thinking of the Christian life as, as walled drug, you need to adjust your expectations. This is far better. Christianity is not just a, a, a faith like, of of religious options in our world. It's not just a different flavor of religion. No, Christianity is absolutely unique because only in the Christian faith. everyone who will believe. Only in this Christian faith does God reach out to us, and not with the wrath and judgment that we deserve, but with his grace, his unending love. Adjust your expectations. We are not called to stay far. Fullness of that salvation and enjoy it forever. Never. So, what are we called to do with this? I mean this? This complete change in mindset, this understanding of how Christ has done what we Image came out of Exodus and it's Sinai. This next one is the image of Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. The it's not just the the city as it existed at that point, but it's even a it's a future vision of the perfect city, of the kingdom that Christ has promised. What do we do with this? What do we see now? Well, it's on account of Christ's work. We've been brought to a different mountain a different place, Zion, the mountain of God. The scene then is entirely and completely different. There are seven aspects of Christ's work that we see here. I and mean, that sounds like I'm going to go all Puritan on you. I guess we are, because I want you to see how this just builds. It's amazing. And it starts first because we are invited into the city of the living Revelation will fill in more details of this, of course, but the picture here is already amazing enough. We get to dwell not in some backwater, not in squalor, far from God's care and blessing, but right in the midst of it. I I grew up uh, going to visit relatives in Texas, a town just south of of Dallas, and then I had some who even spread out a little bit more. And I remember. Go to these towns, and it just seemed like this is the edge of the earth. Like, who's been to Gun Barrel City, Texas? I have. Right, that's a very Texan name, isn't it? A- and you just think, what's the what's the point of this town? Like, what does it do? You know, um, that's not what we're called to. Secondly, the sights of this city, these will amaze even the most skeptical, right? Angels prepared for worship and celebration and glory. We enter into not something that's just you know, very sober and straight-laced and there's a lot of rules in heaven because there are rules in church. No. Instead, this is a place that is filled with joy. We're invited into rejoicing without a One, who's in Christ. Third, I want you to notice the people of the city. This is the assembly of the firstborn. That is to say, the gathered people who belong to Jesus. Those uh, enrolled in heaven, as it says here, or as Revelation puts it, those whose names are found in the Lamb's Book of Life. Who is that? Sisters, if that's you, then you will be there. This is a city peopled by the redeemed, with our very brothers and sisters in Christ. Fourth, most importantly, God will be there. He will be present, not, not far off, only approachable by a select few, not hiding his glory from us lest we die, but instead because of Christ's work to sanctify us, To to make us holy, we can be in God's presence. We can and we will enjoy our Lord and King. Fifth, our our holiness comes into view. All the ways that you and I don't add up has been washed away. All of our imperfections gone. Every sin that so easily entangles, no more. You will have no more. Accept you? No, in Christ He has. He will. And you will fear no longer. Sixth, there with us in the city will be our Savior, Jesus. The one who has made all these promises new, and he has kept his covenant through his life and death and resurrection and return. sprinkled blood, now, there's a jarring image, right, we've been building up and up and up, and now it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, it's meant to bring us back to the reference of Abel that we saw earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, it's a reminder that Abel's pattern of faith still speaks, his, his blood which cried out for justice has now been satisfied. Debt against the Lord based on your own sin has been paid in full. The record wiped clean. The blood bringing about your own holiness. My brothers and sisters, what you and I are called to is so much greater than what we often expect. It's so much more wonderful than we can imagine. to. Friends, this is what you were made for. Not religious motions, not constantly worrying about your sin and your shame. Those are realities, this side of heaven, I get that, but what awaits you is not just more of the same unending. Instead, what awaits you is full forgiveness. Do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God. It looks like listening, as verse twenty-five says, and by that I, I, don't, I don't simply mean hearing, but hearing in such a way that we believe and respond. Have you, have you ever noticed that when when someone, you know, whatever TV show you watch, you know, if it's one of those reality shows or something, when someone wins, it's not, "Hey, I want to let you know that you won," or "Or here's your million-dollar check." They don't just go, "Oh." Oh, they're annoyingly screeching and shouting and jump, right. I mean, that's they're excited. That news that they're hearing is changing them. Why should it be any different with our faith? You ever wondered that? We are called to not only hear these truths, but to believe them, to trust them, to respond to them. In fact, there's even a. If we won't listen in that kind of way, then, then we're rejecting Christ. Right? And the news it doesn't mean anything to us. And to reject Christ is to reject the very one who makes all of this joy that we've been talking about possible. No, don't reject Christ. Don't don't embrace darkness. the other way that we're supposed to respond. Jesus calls us not to the things of this earth that can be shaken. That's not what we're giving our lives to and for. Instead, he calls us to what is immovable, what is permanent, what is worth staking your hopes on. You are called to a kingdom. You are called to the the king of that kingdom, to Jesus, and you're called to worship him. To respond to God's holiness with with jaw dropping awe friends in this picture you will never be bored you will never be less than satisfied no in this calling you will enjoy god serve not in the sense of trying to somehow earn his favor. No. Instead we serve because we are responding out of an overflow of gratefulness and joy that we have purpose and meaning. Not just in this life, not just for a few decades here. Satisfied with small things, not when it comes to eternity, not when it comes to what matters most, but make us to be satisfied only in Jesus. Make us to yearn and long for that day when, when his kingdom will come, his will be done here on earth even as it is in heaven. Lord, would you make us hunger and thirst for righteousness, his righteousness.